determined. I am focused. I am inspired. I am motivated. We are in Four More, a dynamic and collaborative team of four entrepreneurs who inspire and motivate by educating you through fun and interactive channels. Get ready to explore now. Hey guys, thank you for joining us uh, again with our podcast. Um, last week, we actually talked about the top 10 industries that millennials are killing. Uh, so if you didn't get a chance to, to listen to it, uh, I would definitely encourage you to find the top 10. Just to give you a rundown, we have uh, 10 as fabric softener, 9 cereal, 8 napkins, 7 designer labels, and then 6 finally is beer. So we'll have that continuation this uh, week with the 5 to 1 um, as far as the industries. Um, so just to kind of get started, um, one of the industries, uh, number 5, is golf. All right. Well, according to Vice, golf is too expensive, too old, too white, too male, too complicated, too long, and too many rules. <laughs> did, I, did I skip any? <laughs> um, millennials, yeah, millennials value diversity and inclusion and something easy, apparently. But according to the Vice as well, um, less than 1% of golfers are African-American, um, even though we all know Tiger Woods. And out of all the professional golfers, 27,000 are men compared to 2,000 being women. So very gender biased there. So what do you guys think about golf? Ooh, I <laughs> well, got to say. Oh, I'm we going both have to say. Okay, we both yeah, have we something do. to say. I know if Misha's <laughs> going to say something, she's going to say something that's really relevant. But I have to say, as somebody who's been on the outside looking in as a woman, it's not been sort of a field that's been marketing marketed towards females, I think. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. for that reason, it's like if I was always dating somebody, they'd be like, hey, I'm going with the buddies on a golfing trip. You know, it's sort of like a male oriented, um, for, you know, hobby. And I think um, it's never really been sort of marketed towards me. However, have I had an interest in it? Maybe. I mean, I've, I've maybe spent 2.5 seconds on a golf um, course in my <laughs> life. Um, but just from that experience, it seems like something fun. But I have to say, it's almost like a male, you know, oriented kind of thing. And I think what's also interesting mm -hmm. about millennials is we don't want to buy into all the sort of gear that you have to buy and the sort of look of it all. Like if it could be maybe a little bit more casual, um, I think as a millennial, that would be a little bit more appealing to people. And if they were to just sort of market it to more, you know, females out there and say, Hey, this is something that both sexes can enjoy. But as you know, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I think that sort of gender plays a role in this topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that, I just wanted to kind of like, as a, a fellow female as well, I, I do agree with you. I think it's a very male-dominated sport. Um, it also does cater to more of the, um, you know, country clubs, and it's it's mm -hmm. kind of one of those things that is so expensive that if you mm -hmm. don't know if you enjoy it, there's not like a lot of like trials or like small yeah. leagues or anything like that to actually kind of incorporate people to come in as beginners. It is a sport that is highly competitive and it's really a lot of business that's conducted on the golf courses. Um, so I think that I do agree that I think women need to be brought into it and have a way for it to be not so like one, one, uh, you know, male focused and the diversity as well. Andy mentioned that less than 1% African American, 
you know, less than 2,000 women professionals. So it's not even just catering to men, but it's also just catering to white men, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, actually have I have a, a cool one too. I, I I agree too with like the different, you know, it's been marketed to a specific type of person, but for such a long time, that definitely has created different stereotypes that have not made different groups as welcome, which I could see as, you know, millennials are all about diversity in, you know, equality and being very inclusive. So that kind of goes against our, just our general beliefs. One thing I would also say is I, a big factor in it is, you know, we do we do a show you know at our company and we talk about like different time slots and we work with Nielsen which is a huge uh, you know group that does a lot of reporting in depth about demographics and what are viewers kind of like we do work around like uh, for example like golfing like the PGA tour and one thing that Nielsen found that 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 group that watches it is at a higher uh, proportion of homeowners so homeowners are watching this and if you look at think about traditional golf courses they're usually built around like homeowner associations. So, you know, suburban areas that have houses and that's just where an older generation millennials are not known for having the highest homeowners <laughs> rating yeah. uh, versus like different generations. So I think also geographic wise too, and also with home ownership plays a big role in why it's dying out because millennials are more urban. They're more yeah. into that co-working space. They're not going to go build that. And so when you look at golf courses, they're usually placed around like, by property taxes or in suburban built environments to cater to that older demographic that probably owns a home that wants to go has the time to invest and do golfing. So that's one of my thoughts. Yeah, I also like associate golf with with like my dad and he's a lot older and yeah, like, he has a mm-hmm. kind of background. He's like falling asleep on the recliner. <laughs> like thinking, like golf, golf is something that you could have on in the background, but it's not something I could actively mm-hmm. engage in yeah. for eight hours and just watch golf because mm-hmm. I would go crazy. Like I need to watch something that has a, a, an end. Like I feel like golf has yeah. no end in sight. So it is very long just from just from like a, like a consumer watching the sport itself. But then when I think about actually playing it, there are a ton of rules and there's a lot of things. And you also do need quite a bit of money to play it. And, you know, I grew up pretty average, middle class. And for, for me, like golf was something that was seriously exciting. It's a hobby if you put a lot of money into. I couldn't afford mm-hmm. that like until I was actually working in corporate on my own. And even then, do I want to put a significant part of my sure. paycheck into golf? So that was, that was hard for me to stomach. And also, if I want to play a sport, I want something that's going to be a little bit more active. I've actually seen a lot yeah. of top the top athletes, top golfers, they call them athletes, but they have like beer bellies and like, you know, they don't, they don't look like they're in the best shape. Yeah. And, and it, there is very little inclusion because I can't even think of a, a golfer besides Tiger Woods that is African-American. I could name like Rory McIlroy, but like yeah. when I think of other golfers, I'm like, I actually don't know anyone else besides Tiger Woods. So it yeah. is not. And Misha brought up a good point too about the country club. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but like when a country club, that's not like a, oh, come and sign up here. They're usually like a, it's a group that probably has like similar style, similar background, and they're inviting their own people from the same community. So I think also too, that's a big issue as well. They're probably, you know, it's, you're having like straight older white men invite other straight older white men and they're not being as inclusive. There's also a recruiting issue of like mm-hmm. making other people inclusive. Exactly. Yeah. I think also like, you know, Another thing is, 
like one thing is playing the sport but i wouldn't i never even thought about watching golf on tv like that sounds <laughs> never like, crossed my mind <laughs> I just no my grandpa would watch it and he would even fall yeah, asleep too I feel like if I'm going to watch any kind of sport, like I have to be actively engaged. I like watching basketball. I like watching football. Same. Yeah. But it's something that's kind of fast paced. Golf is just so slow. It seems like it's like a slow. Yeah. Yeah. And also being on the, on the course, like I've never played um, or not played, but I've never um, learned how to golf by any means. I'm always open to trying anything, but I, I don't feel like there's a lot of like, acceptance to be like hey try like a, a free trial at this country club or at this you know golf exactly. yeah. be able to like figure out if you actually do want to invest in the in the sport itself yeah well they say like to get into golf you have to have a lot of money mm-hmm. and the people the people who golf are trying to make major business exactly. deals right mm-hmm. and i think that's mm-hmm. they're not they're not from that background it's, it's the in crowd i i really like exactly if you're not and you're an outlier I think that you know we as millennials are always about like just kind of joining something for the collabos yeah it's like it's like looking to kind of like add that relatability towards one another and golf just does not screen that and I feel like in our generation I don't know a lot of young golfers so I don't know if uh this might be truly an industry that that dies off with uh, the older generation, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but kind of moving on to uh, number four, uh, we have come to cars. You know what's interesting about cars. cars? I read so many articles about why cars are dying out, and they all had the very a very similar gist. So I'm going to just summarize this, otherwise I'd be going going on forever. But so many reasons not to own a car. One is parking. The second one is driving. The amount of traffic, DUIs, the cost of ownership, the lack of there's a lack of driver's license being issued because <laughs> people can't pass the test anymore. Less people are comfortable with driving. There's more ride-sharing apps and options out there, and people are online shopping. So that pretty much gives you a reason. Not a reason. People do not own cars as, as prevalently. Well, I'd like to say, oh. you know, I agree with this because here's here's the deal. I'm from New York and it's sort of been in my mind when I would watch like 80s and 90s movies of like kids in the suburbs. It's sort of like the rite of passage for them when they're 16, they get this flashy car, right? I didn't really have that experience living in the city because A, I was in a group of people who also did not have cars because why, how would you ever park a car in Manhattan? Um, You know, anybody here want to take that challenge? I'm game. It's just parking sucks. Um, B, it's too expensive. And C, we have great transportation in New York City. So why would you even bother, right? Um, And so I think just our ideals, ideals of what status symbols are have also changed because from Millennials, we have all these gadgets now, right? So the car isn't like the upper echelon of like, okay, I've got to get a car to feel a certain way about myself. And mm-hmm. I, I remember just arguing with people because I, I think when you come from an urban area, it's a very different mindset. Um, although now moving to LA, it's like people look at me like, you don't have a car. What's wrong with you? I even actually got into an <laughs> argument with a friend. <laughs> And it got really heated at one point. I know this is this is going to sound crazy, but I had to defend myself as to why I don't have a car in Los Angeles. And she was looking at me like I had four eyes. 
and basically saying, oh my God, you know, you moved to LA, it's all spread out. Like, how do you do it? There are no options. And I'm like, honey, there's Uber. Yes, it's expensive, but there is Uber, but there is also transportation. And you know what? It has greatly improved in Los Angeles. And C, you are not paying my bills or my overexpensive rent that is, you know, living what it means to live in central Los Angeles. The rent is sky high. And if I can get around now just on transportation, I'm going to try to save on that, right? And I think a lot yeah. of us are also just really, you know, about energy and being efficient and actually care about our environment more than, you know, past generations. So if we can contribute to a more beneficial landscape, why not? Um, I myself have become a bike rider. I love riding the bikes. Um, and so, you know, to me, that's just, I, I know there's a lot of millennials that, that prefer riding bikes just because they don't have to, they can weave within the traffic. Um, you know, it's just better for the environment. That's just the way I feel. I think with, here's with mine with the cars. I agree. I can see it being decreased now, but I think it's a little bit misleading. The reason being, you're, of course, younger generations like millennials, they're probably all moving to more urbanized areas where you have options like car share, ride shares, mm -hmm. public transportation, yeah. walking distance, all that. So I could see a decline from like the previous generation that were more homeowners right off the bat. But what I do see is like as our generation gets a little bit older and we start going to more suburban areas, buying homes and our home ownership is starting to increase, you'll see an increase in vehicles because we have that, our generation is like more going into urban, but then eventually they'll start going more into suburban, which I could see. And then the generation behind that going there. So I think it's also like a generational milestone. So that's one thing that I would say with the cars, I could see it declining now, but I also can see it be our generation increased car ownership as we, start to age a little bit more. Yeah, and I, I have to agree on that. I think it is a kind of a milestone thing. Um, and that brought up environmental reasons. So I definitely think that our generation and also Generation C is really about preserving our environment, making sure there, there's not a lot of waste. Um, the carbon emissions, mm -hmm. that's really important to kind of look at. But I do agree, like that we, we don't want to also say that in our generation, we don't have car enthusiasts, right? Like there are definitely people that really do have pride in, in their cars and they're kind of a special mm -hmm. like niche um, group of people yeah. that, that really enjoy like driving. I myself, like I grew up in Tennessee in the South. I love driving. I love going on long distance road trips. I'm kind of like mm -hmm. that traditional, like I love being able to get in a car and drive for five or six hours. When I w went to college, mm -hmm. I was five hours away from home. So I was driving almost every other month you know, making that trek. So I really do enjoy that. I love, you know, listening to the radio and yeah. being able to. However, on the other side of it, you know, I, I do agree that maintenance of a car is the devil in terms of how yeah. how <laughs> you have to, you know, get your oil changed, you gotta get insurance. your I have yeah, insurance, I have a lead foot, so my brakes I have to get those done uh, pretty frequently. But another thing that I noticed, like moving from Nashville when I was around 27 or so, and then I moved to Chicago, which Chicago is a walking city. You don't really need a car because you have to pay for parking. Like Andy, I believe, mentioned parking is an event as well. Like it's a oh. nightmare to, to find parking. You have to pay yeah. like an amount of like, money for parking. Yeah. The, 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 the main thing when it comes to driving is, you know, DUI is in drunk driving. I think that's exactly. Yeah. You know, some people will drive like from from the suburbs, the city. I know a lot of people from the birds 
came to Chicago, they'd leave their car in the city and they'd go to the bar and they'd get a little out of hand and then they would just Uber it back to their, you know, their house and their car would be stuck in the city. So I think those mm -hmm. things, you know, when you look at it from that perspective, I mean, it's, it's either like driving 35 minutes and sobering up before you get behind the wheel or in a lot mm -hmm. of cases, that a lot of people would get in their car and just drive and you know hope for the best yeah. that they don't get over hurt and them. i want to so, add to your your point too with the car because I, I also think there's a difference between like car ownership and then use of car when we're talking with this because when you have people like on uber or you're taking people like zip cars all these alternative ones where you don't actually own the car rentals that's still mm -hmm. like yeah that ownership is going to decrease because you don't own the car but as far as car use it's still the same like you're still exactly. being in a car. And also too, yeah. other generations, you look at it, it doesn't mean like we're not using cars because you look at like my parents' yeah. age or grandparents, they usually have like two more than one vehicle and we only have like one vehicle. You usually have like a truck or a car, you know, they have mm -hmm. multiple vehicles. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have less vehicles, yeah, ownership levels will drop down, but still the same use of car. I could even beg to differ that it's probably up even higher. Now that people that didn't even have cars have options to use different like ride shares and Ubers and that kind of stuff. Exactly. And also if you think about carpooling too, you know, if people are, mm -hmm. are able to carpool, whether it's mothers that are carpooling for their kids or also carpooling to work. Um, now it's kind of interesting with the pandemic, there's a lot of remote work. So there's less yeah. usage of the car as well. So mm -hmm. I think that our circumstances are also dictating, you know, do we want to have a car sitting in our garage mm -hmm. collecting insurance and collecting, you know, all these like ownership fees and maybe, you know, we don't actually, you know, get a car now or sell the car and being able to kind of use that because I was reading an article and hurt the the uh, rental yeah. companies yeah. Also just, uh, declared chapter 11 bankruptcy and they have a whole slew I think Andy and I were talking about this. They have a whole slew of rental cars that they're actually trying to sell to people at a very, very reduced price. Um, mm -hmm. So that's going to kind of bring about some interesting, you know, situations where if you get a car that's normally thirty thousand, you yeah. buy it for twelve thousand, but then you also rent it out as like get around, you know, where yeah. get around is like of cars. So maybe if you want to take like a weekend trip somewhere, maybe you actually rent a car from someone as opposed to owning it yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, of the industries we're talking about, especially for this one, is more so the ownership of the car, mm -hmm. not the use of the car. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, didn't, we didn't have ride-sharing options we like didn't. 10 years yeah. ago, right? We didn't really have the option to figure it out. And driver's ed was mandatory in most mm -hmm. schools. Now it's not mandatory anymore. Nope. I also think when you don't take driver's ed and you don't drive and you're learning something much later in life, you're a lot more nervous about everything, right? Exactly. So it's like if you get on the highway for the first time when you're 24, 25, you're going to be nervous as heck and you're going to be like, I can't do this, right? It's too <laughs> That's difficult. That's me. Nervous as heck. <laughs> it's daunting. Yeah. Versus like your kid, like I was one of those people where the parents are yelling at you, like, take a left, just get on the highway. You're never going to learn if you don't the try. The pressure is on, Robble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Use the damn blinker. Use that yeah. damn blinker. <laughs> like, I, I really, yeah. <laughs> when I was in high school, I was kind of cool because I knew how to drive stick shift and not many people knew that. But now, not even about this, it's just about driving in general, in right? General, so yeah. an automatic yeah. Well, I know yeah, stick, drive, stick shift as well, but I don't feel like, I feel like that's a definitely a dying technique. Yeah.
there's very few cars that they even make that are stick shift. And the, yeah. You know, the way we go to a dealership, pretend like we wanted a stick shift car, and then the, the person, the salesperson would give us a few crash courses for 30 minutes. And if you break the clutch or whatever, you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I can't even learn how to drive stick shift, but I mean now, now it's to a point where you know there are there are so many cars out there and there's less people buying them. So yeah, they, we we don't have that traditional. You turn 16, you get another car. We had another car. Right. So like you know, I yeah. see driveways. Huge tradition. Yeah. Growing up, I used to see driveways that would have five or six mm-hmm. cars, mm-hmm. and I I'd see them like you know back to back, two in the garage, two in the back of that, and then like there's well, one in the back. Of someone that. mentioned this before. I think that it was you, but the symbol of, of wealth and success mm-hmm. is not yeah. by how many cars yeah. you have in your garage anymore. Now we've got iPhones and laptops and what have you. Exactly. Or like the pictures of the experiences, you know, instead of exactly. buying dollars $50,000 cars, people are taking extravagant vacations and things yeah. like that. And so. Let's not forget, maybe millennials are getting more savvy, so maybe we should get credit for that because it's probably a depreciating, depreciating asset. It is. No That's matter what you think, unless it's collectible or an antique, you know, it's not going to go up in value. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're driving the team, the team model. <laughs> um, so this, this next one number three is is my personal probably favorite because i i definitely enjoy watching movies and it is movie theaters i'm gonna lead with i'm gonna lead with this because it's all over the news i'm sure everyone knows about it hearing this podcast but recently declared bankruptcy that's no secret but what was even more interesting is in 2015 this is this is five years ago their industry was suffering so much that they allowed people to text while watching movies. Actually, from 2012 to because they saw a huge sales decrease and Netflix was coming up at that time. And now we're in pandemic and I have rented movies that were supposed to go straight to theater and never been more comfortable. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll leave it up to you guys to discuss that. <laughs> well, I, I'd like to kind of like chime in here because I am such a movie buff. I love to watch movies. And the process of going to a movie theater to me was, was like a luxurious situation because you have such a big screen. You have people around you that are laughing at jokes. I love comedy. So the best thing is when you're with a group of like strangers and people will laugh at different parts of the movie and it just, it just makes it feel like you're not alone. I don't know. I really like that experience. And lastly, mm-hmm. I love conventions. Even though you're paying like 75% markup, you always want to have like a big, you know, drink in your hand and some popcorn or some, you know, Sour Patch Kids or something. So I like the experience of it. And I also was someone that if I saw a movie that was coming up, I would actually go to the theater sometimes by myself. And sometimes that's like a lot of fun as well. So Ain't I, no shame is, in that, Misha. Ain't no shame. When I was in London, I literally went to see a movie by myself because I was like, this is a really cool old movie theater and I'm not going to be in London for so long. And so it was about the experience for me. I didn't care. I had a good time. Exactly. I think, but also it's, it, it is something that you, you kind of look forward to and you kind of get excited for the night out. Um, yeah. But now with pandemic and, and things where things are coming to your, your TV now, I actually don't miss TV theaters. Over the last like four months, I haven't missed going to the theater because okay. there's so mm-hmm. much consumption of content now in so many different ways. There's Hulu, there's 
Netflix, there's, you know, Amazon Prime, you're getting a lot of these movies that are coming straight to your, your home. So you don't have to worry about kind of the, the germaphobe in me now is kind of understanding that maybe I don't want to go into theater right now. Because well, how Nisha, often- I think rightly so. I don't know if you guys have heard, but AMC is one of those movie theaters that is not requiring people to wear masks. So they changed that- it today, though. In itself, they reversed it. They reversed it. Did they, it reserve, today, did they reverse it? Okay. Yeah, well, we got too much problems. <laughs> well, well, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's just it's you know dealing with this whole COVID situation. Definitely, like what Misha is saying is giving people high anxiety. It really is. Mm-hmm. And so you know, obviously that comes into the mix. But I have to agree with Misha. As a child, you know, I would look forward to, especially on holidays, I don't know what this was, like during Christmas, like going to see a movie that marked sort of like this joyous occasion. And it was something I always looked forward to. And it was something that was done with my family, with my friends. And now it's interesting as an adult, not so much, right? And I think what the the sort of thing here is, is that we can choose to do what we want. Because I felt like when I went to the movies, I was almost like an adult as a little girl, like, hey, I'm going to the movies. It's a big experience, right? (laughs) And now that I am an adult, um, it, you know, and there are so many more options for entertainment. I think that sort of comes into play. And specifically what you said with, you know, I don't just have one streaming subscription. I have about three. It's Netflix, it's Hulu, it's Amazon Prime. And so as millennials, I think we just want options. We like options for entertainment. And I think the movies used to be the thing, right? What else could actually you know, sort of compare into the large scale experience of going to movie theater, not much back in the day. And so mm-hmm. now where everything's so accessible, sort of the beauty of that entertainment is lost, I think. Um, but also it's it's the investment, right? Do you want to spend 25 bucks to go to an IMAX theater and get, you know, and then also have to spend another extra 25 getting that fancy cocktail because you can drink in the movie theaters now and then spend an extra 10 bucks on that popcorn, you know, that really does add up. So I think also millennials are just a little bit more efficient with their money and how they choose to use it. You guys don't bring uh, candy in your jacket? Oh, I did. Oh, I used to be that movie theater goer. Exactly. No, but I would just add like, I don't really have too much about it because if anyone knows me, like I'm hate the movie theater experience. I, it's he basically not for me. doesn't watch movies. And, yeah. Um, like, and the reason why it's just like, I've always been like very busy ones. And it's like, nobody knows how to act. I like horror films. That's what I like watching. So I, I go and watch it. And it's always like, you have people laughing in the back. There's like a couple in the front arguing. There's somebody's like leg trying to push into my seat. It's just like, not for me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to be like ball humbug, but that's like, and I, but I agree with like what he best saying. There's like a lot of options. Like I'm yeah. more of like an activity type person. And also when it comes to the movie theater, the only way I'm like really been going there, it's like I was forced to go in like a date, but I, I would prefer forced to have like- Forced to go on a date? That sounds like torture yeah. him. No, forced to go to the movie theater for the date. So I obviously I enjoyed the date, <laughs> but the movie theater was secondary at that point, right? Oh, but- I, I just agree that there's a lot of different options you can do. I think it is a little old school. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, and I could see it definitely dying off now <laughs> with the, what's going everything that's going on. Um, and then the streaming. I was going to say what okay. I was saying, that if, if, if you check AMC, they had this big legal battle, not even legal about business dispute. I want to say like a month ago, because what they were trying to do is, 
the big studio heads, you're talking like Disney, you're talking about like CBS, these big productions, they are producing content and they were trying to just say, hey, we wanted to deliver it at your home, like your, your living room. They've been trying to do this for years. This is not just during coronavirus. Right. They've been doing this for like a battle for 10 years. And then you have a lot of the lobbying groups for these big movie theater brands like AMC. They're like, hey, if you don't stick with us, if you change the business model, we're not going to air, you're going to be cut off from all the theaters and we're going to make you go bankrupt. So there's a big thing about that. Like a lot of people, consumers want to just have it more convenient. So I can see why that's dying off. The studios understand that they're trying to do it. It's just a very old school business model that's kind of, you know, declining a little bit slowly. It might be expedited because of coronavirus. Yeah. And what I was going to kind of elaborate on was when you were talking about a date, it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. whenever you were younger and you went on like your first or second date with like your crush, it was kind of one of those like milestones where you sit in the back and you kind of like move out with yeah. someone. And then I think our millennial generation kind of took Netflix and chill to a completely different like meaning. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what it is. I think a lot of millennials would rather like, at home be comfortable maybe not be dressed up I mean I I remember when I was younger I would dress up so much to just go to like Walmart or something so the theater <laughs> I got I love it now if I want to sit and relax on a Friday night you know I'm probably going to Netflix tonight I'm going to be in my PJs and I'm going to be comfy and I'll probably have a glass mm -hmm. of wine and homemade popcorn so I think there's yeah. a completely like different idea of what that night of of watching movies mm -hmm. is but i know andy's actually feeling like he has a lot to say so yeah I'll well, turn it over. when i went to go see the water boy you guys know that movie the yeah, water boy yeah, i went oh, yeah, to go I love see it. It. here's my version of dressing up okay oh, like, it was during my grade school years i wore these camera loose jeans with an extra extra large polo i had a gold chain on <laughs> Oh gosh, if I give you those pictures, uh, I feel like you could blackmail me for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness, you know, the, the, the movie, the, like I find a lot of the content that Netflix is producing and Hulu is producing that's original is just so, as good if not better than some of the content you see in the theater mm -hmm. and the problem with the theater is it's such an investment that if you invest in the movie and the drink and the popcorn and all that and you spend 50 60 bucks on yourself just going to one movie and you don't like the movie it's a buck right. yeah. if you mm -hmm. see something on netflix you don't like you stop it and then it's you just good. watch something else right it you didn't exactly. pay money for that. You paid us. Yeah, but in the theater, in the theater, you feel guilty if you walk out on a movie because you already paid for it. Exactly. You feel like I have to finish it no matter how bad. It. How many times have we seen a bad movie in theater and we had to finish oh, it because we paid for it? Yeah, right? and exactly. we talk about how bad it is. <laughs> and you're so, so true so too. It's just remakes in the theater. It's literally just remakes. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, and I echo, I echo that. Horror, horror films are just garbage in the recent yeah. years. Unfortunately, that's my garbage. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. So it's unfortunate, but they do have these reclining seats. So the last, I'm trying to even think oh, of the yeah. last time I went to the theater, they had these leather recliners with a massager and you put your drink yeah. in there. And I remember <laughs> I started the film and I woke up and it was the credit, the end credit. <laughs> and that, that's what I spent $15.99 on. 
It's a good movie, huh? <laughs> but you know what actually temporarily increased? Drive through, drive-in movies. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it's the yeah, only yeah. first time yeah. I've been hearing about them in such a long time. That actually sounds great because right now, I think if we need to go back out in public, it's nice yeah. to be like settled into your car. So with you're a little window, contained. The, no, it's up. <laughs> no, I like it. But I also think like right. our generation is just all about analysis paralysis. Like we have so many decisions that we can make in one day. I mean, think about it because we have so much access that it makes it so difficult to make the decisions. So movies aren't really at the top of the list right now. And I, I guess stylistically speaking, I'm not really attracted or motivated to go see anything um, in the yeah. movies. So um, mm. it, it's sort of a weird time for us, right? We have access to so much technology <laughs> yeah. that there is mm-hmm. nothing that's entertaining to watch in the movie theater. I was thinking about the drive-thru we don't have cars so I was thinking I'm like can somebody Uber and then just be watching the movie with their Uber driver well, they can watch <laughs> it with their <laughs> <laughs> no, you got your date there, there you go you got your date there's your date you know. wait I'll never wait, alone look at Uber driver <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so we kind of touched on this topic a little bit earlier throughout our podcast but number two uh, which we're getting down to number one, which is going to be very exciting, is real estate. Okay, two interesting reports from real estate. So according to Urban Institute, the home ownership rate for millennials is eight percentage points lower than baby boomers. That's pretty mm-hmm. high. Mm-hmm. Um, and according mm-hmm. to Money and Markets, another factor that millennials want is like want are they are to live in big cities and close to downtown areas, and housing available mm-hmm. in those areas is very expensive. So it makes it a lot cheaper to rent. And that in turn drives home prices up and it makes it financially difficult for prospective home buyers to own a home. I could yeah, yeah, just chime in for this one for yeah, like a loan. My family have a lot of loan officers and it's pretty simple. Millennials don't get approved at a higher rate. They, they just don't get off of the mm-hmm. financing. And a big mm-hmm. part of that problem is there's a lot of factors. Yeah, there's urban areas. It's more competitive. It's more expensive. And number two, unlike any other generation, we start off our our careers with a lot of debt, credit cards, student loans, uh, student loans <laughs> car. We start, exactly. We're the generation that starts off with financing right off the bat, whether it be car, we're not buying anything in cash. So by the time when yeah. it comes to like getting approved, we have such an income debt ratio that's not in our favor. You're not going to get your financing for your house, especially in yeah. mm-hmm. America. That's very true. Another thing that I was actually like looking this up because, you know, I own actually some property in Nashville when I lived there because my dad was always mm. about like having home ownership and, and things of that nature. So I was able to, to buy a home at a, a very young age. The only thing that I would say, and I still have that property, you know, using that as, as a rental property. But I think when it comes to millennials, just like they like to job hop and they like to not be committed to like maybe one job because I just to lose out. They like to actually mm-hmm. move around too. You know, when you actually buy a home, that's a huge commitment. And when you're in yeah. your, you know, you know, when you're in your lower 20s or even in your early 30s, you may not know what the rest of the country mm-hmm. has in place. And I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to move to different cities throughout my life because that gives you a lot of exposure and experience. Um, you want to mm-hmm. know like what a big city feels like, maybe a middle city, maybe you want to experience what the South feels like versus the West Coast. So I think it's really important to be able to kind of see 
different perspectives, you know, meeting people in different cultures, and then kind of like deriving where you would want to settle down if you ever want to settle down at some point. Yeah, I, I agree think a lot of it. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead, Yvette. I was going to say, because when you were talking about the settle down, quote unquote, I think us as millennials are doing things a little bit later in life, right? And that includes mm -hmm. settling. Yeah. And so I think what millennials are starting, you know, to have children at what, 35, um, whereas it used to be yeah. in their early 20s, that's a huge difference. And so the need for more space, right, is, is why it was a really good motivating force as to why somebody would buy a house. But for us, I think that when we're starting, you know, sort of career focused first and then family focused later, you know, our priorities are different. And another thing that is that you mentioned, Misha, is we are traveling. We're more about the experience and the options. Mm -hmm. and so we don't want to be hammered down by all these bills when you can just Airbnb and be in Chicago one day, be in New York the next. Uh -huh. That's just us. We're on the run and we're always open to new opportunities. And even with jobs changing all of the time, people don't have job loyalty anymore. So a lot of times, you know, millennials are not about like when, you know, their parents used to stay in jobs for what years, 30 years, sometimes yeah, they get the same title. And they're just called, we're, we're not about job stagnation. Like if we're not getting mm -hmm. what we want out of the experience, we're known to just, you know, jump ship. And so exactly. we, we do that all the time. So I think that would also have to contribute to that, right? And I also think another thing is we're, you know, a, a population of renters, right? Because the fact is, is when you rent, it's also part of the mobility. A lot of times in California, you have a lease for 12 months and then it's month to month from there. We love that. We like that flexibility because why? Because if we want to move to another city, we can. Um, and then also we're just accustomed to, you know, smaller spaces. I think in the eighties and nineties, I remember watching television and movies and all you see were things like Richie Rich, who has a huge, you know, palatial mansion. And that was like the status symbol. Whereas even if millennials do buy homes now, I think the kind of homes they're buying is so different. It's not just about the square footage or about having a fancy pool or this and that. It's more about, is it green? Is it energy efficient? I don't need all this space. I don't need to use more space than I need. Need. and so just our perception is so different mm -hmm. yeah, I must have channeled my thoughts to that because you said exactly <laughs> what I was doing Go ahead, <laughs> maybe, even more profound, maybe even more profound than I would have said it so ooh, perfect ooh. Um, on a Friday night yeah. that's 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 a really good compliment thank you <laughs> yeah. no, it was, it was well said you know I, I was going to echo something very similar in terms of either in the olden days they didn't even travel that much, right? They didn't. They didn't oh, go right. far distances. Cars were not made to travel. Even when they invented cars, they were not made to travel very far. So typically, you go to school, you go to high school, then you go to college, then you get married while you get your permanent job, <laughs> and then you settle at 25 and have kids. And yeah. then at that, that's really Neither. the age, right? 25, mm -hmm. you settle, you buy your home, you stay there for the rest of your life. It's near your Retire. parents and your grandparents mm -hmm. and your great grandparents, and your whole family lives in that little area. And that's it. Like that was that was your life, and you don't explore anything else. And like Misha said, now we're going to different cities. We're jetting off to Paris in in six hours, right? And we're just going out to New York in in four, whatever it is, right? We have planes. We have the ability to move. We have the ability to travel pre-COVID, obviously not now, but um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're we're experiencing so many different cities in our lives and different opportunities, and things are shifted, like Yvette said as well. So. It, it makes sense that we're not going to be buying homes, at, you know, re like relatively soon. Later on in our lives, yeah, absolutely. When you have a family, it makes a lot more sense. 
if you're putting all that off, then why would you buy a home for yourself? It, mm -hmm. it yeah. Guys, I mean, we're, we're in the age of yeah, we're in the age of technology. I mean, we might just have a, you know, a hyperloop being built, which could, you know, literally take us from LA to, I don't know, San Francisco in what, 10 minutes. So, um, you know, the world is changing. I don't know, you know, what the developments are on that, but that's, you know, not crazy for us to think about, right? We could one day, and I think one day is really, really honestly closer than we think, be waking up, you know, living in Los Angeles and commuting to a job in San Francisco. That could very well be a reality very soon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do guys, wanna. You guys get that? Oh, go ahead, Tim. No, I was gonna echo too a big thing, which I was like kind of agree with Misha, because, uh, you know, I come from a small town. I have like friends that you know come from the smaller states where home ownership is traditionally a lot higher than the urban cities, and that's just kind of like been the story for a long time. For urban cities, they're just more expensive, right off the bat, because of a, a land scarcity. But with the, the, I still see a lot of people that are, you know, buying houses or they'll keep switching different locations in these smaller towns and, or they'll just stick with rent. And I, I think a big thing is like child, not having like children, like we're having children at such a later age. And also mm -hmm. we're not having like the numbers that the older generations were having. Like if you can think like, oh, I have a few aunts and uncles it's probably not going to be for the generation after us. They're not going to really have from our children have as many uncles and aunts. And when you have less people, you don't have to commit as much as staying in one location. You can move around. You have a lot more flexibility. Because when you have like yeah. family at a younger age and all that, you kind of have to settle down at some point way more than just a kid yourself. No, I totally understand. And a last thing that I wanted to definitely mention about this as well is um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. I was just going to supplement. <laughs> I was going to supplement that comment and say that they are supposed to debut the Uber helicopters, the self-driving helicopters, later this year. Oh, I saw that. So that's pushed that to next year. So if you guys now. do want yep. to move to yep. LA to San Francisco, that'll be a reality very soon. Well, you know what? It's well, so funny because I'm in the process of leasing an apartment, and the one thing that was a priority for me um, was, you know, when when the guy asked me, "Well, what's your preference for leasing?" Right? And I wanted to take the most short term, but you know, then it was like, yeah. well, for the six months, then or you're going to pay extra for it. But my priority would have been like, let's just, you know, feel it out because I have so many options. Let me just see where I'm tied to. And so I think when you even look at a 12 month lease, something about it feels so final like oh my god i'm committing 12 months a year wow it's because we're the generation of monthly subscribers we're monthly subscribers that's why i agree so i remember what i was going to say but it actually is a perfect segue into the number one uh topic and do you guys want to know what the number one industry that millennials are telling we play some music um, well, can, I guess, one, can I guess? Yes, yes. I'm going to go for gyms. Ding, 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 ding. You're right. Boom. <laughs> All right. <laughs> when it comes to gyms, I wanted to, you know, give you a couple excerpts from ABC News. They did a whole expose on why gyms are going out of style. They're saying one thing that really resonated, not really resonate, but stuck out at me. I can't say resonate. Maybe it might resonate with you all, but. Millennials are all about trends. So when the cycle bars and the boxing classes became a thing that all their friends and family were attending, they wanted to be part of that, right? They wanted that inclusion. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And a lot of these 
boutique and specialized studios. They have a great place that allows you to take uh, advantage of taking pictures and Instagramming um, while you work out. One of the quotes from this article is interesting. It says, <laughs> if you don't take pics, you didn't work out, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Andy, I you know, wish but, I could be this cool. But according, according yeah. to ABC News, you know, a lot of these specialty studios like Soul Cycle, Orange Theory, mm -hmm. F45, they started yeah. coming up. So, you know, we say gyms are, are killed, but not really. I feel like gyms are just morphing into specialized mm -hmm. studios. So the traditional gym of like the meathead lifting and going, ugh. And like all that, that's the <laughs> I pick things up, I set them down. I pick things up, I set them down. Well, that's Planet Fitness, right? I mean, Planet Fitness is so against that that just like manhood roar, right? When you drop the weight that they've even instilled that people have got to be silent. And that's like their whole slogan is that you can work out and not feel like you're threatened. And, uh, and you know, they're trying to pick up on that and change things up. But it's really interesting, Andy, that you say this. And I think, you know, a, a good example of this is ClassPass, right? Um, ClassPass gives people the option to join a different gym and a studio every single day. So if you wanted to work out at Equinox, you can. If you wanted to go to Core Power or whatever is in their network, you could do that and you can rotate. And I think you're absolutely right. We love options. We don't want that commitment. And I think mm -hmm. this is a very interesting topic for millennials because I think with gym, at least memberships, we actually spend a little bit more money. This is something that we're actually willing to invest in. And the reason being is that we're a little bit more selfish in the fa in, in, in the sense that we we understand how obviously how health and wellness comes in, comes into play, right? And how much of a priority it is for us. But we also are willing. Think about it. I mean, I, I don't even know the average membership for like an LA Fitness. It would probably be around thirty to forty a month. Whereas some people justify paying, like myself, one hundred eighty dollars, um, and that's pretty minimal for core power yoga, let's say membership. And so the interesting notion here is why, let's say, a mainstream sort of larger gym versus a smaller studio. I think we like smaller studios and are willing to pay a little bit more just because it's a little bit more personal and we're all about community. And so as millennials, you know, it's a little bit more one on one. You get to smaller classes, you get to meet people a little bit better that way. Um, so I think that that sort of plays into things, too. Yeah, I wouldn't say like with the with the gyms, like. I actually heard on the radio when I was driving the other day. I'm still one of those, but I was listening to them. And they were actually talked about the gym. I want to say it was two weeks ago, and they were saying a big loss that they were combating even before COVID was the loopholes with the free trials. And they were talking about like like hundreds of millions of dollars were missed out because you have like a lot of individuals that can go through like a whole year just by going from different free trial to free trial without actually having to pay Ooh, back. guilty, guilty. I Which I, I know a lot of us all, a lot of us do it because yeah. there's a lot of options, a lot of trends. Yeah. For me, exactly. I could see like, yeah, the more customized, I personally like going to the gym and one big part of satisfies food, not just being healthy, but also like socializing with people like you don't work with all that, you're just talking about life. So it's kind of like that social aspect, which is trend. So I could but see gym, like the big You don't actually go to a gym, you go to a, a more boutique studio. Exactly, because it's a different group. It's more of a, a trend type situation right. where it's like, hey, I we're talking. It's more about like lifestyle type situation. I think we yeah. buy into like the brand, our generation, more than like yeah. what we're supposed exactly. to. Just the black and white. We care more about like the whole scenery and everything put into it. 
Um, but yeah, I could see like large gyms going out of style just because we want, we want something that's tailored, you know, especially our generation with Instagram, Facebook, we all believe we're super special. So we kind of want that customization versus like other generations. I was, I was definitely going to talk about that space and kind of took that out of, out of my, my forte as well, because I do think that having specialized gyms and that boutique, like I like to socialize as well. And it's like, you want to go with like like-minded people, people that enjoy like yoga or um, recently I've gotten into like kickboxing and boxing classes. I actually just developed that pandemic by working out at home. But I know that it, once I, if I do feel that better and go to a gym, it's probably going to be more specialized. I don't want to go to a large gym. I think large gyms also to me kind of breed more germs. Um, so I would want to make sure that whatever gym that I go to, it would it would actually have those health standards there. Even before COVID, a gym is successful mm-hmm. germs, right? People are, are sweating and they're breathing and they're coughing and sneezing. And the amount of like sanitation to be able to provide that, not everyone cleans their equipment before they get started, but especially after. So it's kind of some of those things that we want to make mm-hmm. sure and look at and I actually read this article which is really interesting where there's a gym locally here in Austin that actually created a prototype of a little specific pod so that it's it's kind of like made out of like plastic it looks like kind of oh, like a bubble yeah. and it would actually yeah. cover like some equipment and have yeah. like all of the tools necessary like weight and you would actually be able to zip it up and be able to work out for like an hour in this particular pod and then everything gets sanitized after you leave so then it, it's available for the next person which I thought that was kind of like an interesting the concept new normal. <laughs> new yeah. yeah and then also being able to do this at like a core power yoga or at like CrossFit I can yeah. see that actually being utilized for smaller people like a smaller number of people coming into a gym but as yeah. that mentioned we are going to as millennials this is where we're going to invest a lot of our money. We want to invest in mm. our health. We want to invest in our aesthetics because we are very vain as, as a group of people. But that's not necessarily about. And uh, we care. We care about that that aspect of our lives. So I don't think that that's a problem. Yeah, I have well, a tough know, time. Oh, go ahead, Andy. I was saying I had a, I have a tough time like with gyms because I was a member of a large gym forever. Like it and it was a gigantic. It was. Um, lifetime fitness and they have oh, I know, lifetime so many, fitness in illinois yeah i love it they have so many amenities from swimming yeah. to rock climbing to yeah it's really climbing. a one-stop shop they have everything you need at hair salon studios smoothie yeah, bar and tons of tvs everywhere and leather recliners in the locker rooms. and i love that like lifestyle i thought it was great but for me it was an investment of like what I'm doing with my time and a hobby like it became like this me time right and it became a part of me for such a long time and I started to really buy into that appeal but one thing that really discouraged me is like understanding how management works I'm not I'm not specifically quoting lifetime so if you're if you're all working if anyone's working for lifetime don't come after me when I say this but I know with gym studios they always say the best members we ever have, and all management will agree, are the ones that pay monthly and never show up never because show they're up. never <laughs> occupying equipment. They're never taking yes. the resources. But they, 
They're, they're great with paying yeah. every month to keep their operations and the lights on. There is a Friends episode that talks about this. So if anyone out there knows Friends, like Ross and Chandler try to cancel their membership and the studio does not let them. They love getting their monthly fees. And I know Planet Fitness was trying to go against that. And the, the word you guys were looking for was a lunk. A lunk is somebody who grunts, drops weights, and judges. And if you <laughs> yeah, there's a word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically. Yeah. You can hit the lunk alarm in Planet Fitness when you see one of these people. But, yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of a lot of these specialized studios have a very, like, they have a, a, a major impact on people, right? Mm -hmm. When you join a big mm -hmm. gym, one thing I noticed was there's a lot of people who would never change. They would, mm -hmm. they would pay the fees. Yeah. They wouldn't change the lifestyle. They would just aimlessly go in and, you know, do, like, one pull-up, and then they were, like, you know, walking around talking for 45 minutes. But when you go into mm -hmm. an F45 or you go into a full cycle, you have a schedule. You have a time frame. Yes. You have to get a That's what I was going to say, too. I'm Same like, when you go to a small studio, it's, that's the accountability thing. Like, you go to a small studio, like, yeah, I was, I was in there that. with yeah. a group. There's six yeah. people. You know, if yeah. I don't show up, I get a text right. like, hey, Tim, where the hell are you at? Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm on my way in traffic. I'm making it right there. Like, you're, you're more likely to keep going. And then yeah, also, there's too, more results, as right? millennials. Yeah, you're committed. As, yeah. As millennials, we also understand that health is not just pumping iron. It's also what you eat and stuff. So when you go to studios, it, they personalize it for you. And we're that Instagram age, right? Everything, we're very special. So we need to get like, hey, a nutrition plan. We need to talk about like what type of mode or what type of uh, stuff like personal training, like what's going to affect our body type that's different than others. So I know I preferred that, especially at the beginning. And I feel like a lot of people have that sentiment. Because when you don't, before you know what you're doing, when you go to a big gym, a general gym you're kind of like it's intimidating you're like what do i do run on this uh treadmill for a little bit or like do a couple sit-ups maybe i move my arms over here make it look like i'm busy <laughs> and then right. be out of there in 20 minutes and then be out in 20 minutes without a sweat like no you need to go like learn and i think we like that personal training aspect so why small studios get more investment yeah yeah you don't have direction and if you were to get a personal trainer every day at one of those big gyms you'd be paying a lot more than for your monthly or your weekly classes that you go to, but I see a lot more mm -hmm. like it's, it's more efficiency. I think, and I, I have to compliment millennials again here because I feel like they're more efficient, right? Mm -hmm. They're more dedicated. Yeah. I'm not, not going to say that I'm going to Instagram and Facebook something because those people who talk about working out on Facebook for half an hour are only working out for mm -hmm. five minutes. Oh, going to get my workout. No. Yeah. I, I have I have to disagree with you, Annie, on this one, because I think that a lot of people you see on Instagram, on Facebook, when they show, like, their journey from, like, three months, they actually do. That's, that's a specific theme to count. I'm talking about general, like, you, like, people that yeah. are appearing on the feed. Yeah, they talk yeah. about working out for, like, okay. 20 minutes and right. 30 minutes, and they do this, like, once a week workout, and they, like, try to advertise to the world. <laughs> Okay, that's like, okay. If you're going to work out, working out should be a part of your life. It shouldn't be something you need to advertise and make an event. Oh, yeah. When you go to the small studios, when you go to the small studios, you look, they're like, this person transformed this person. And they're like, oh, that's Ed over there. That's Cindy over there. She did this. Look at her journey. You don't see that at like a really big gym. Because <laughs> like, yeah. no. they have to work hard. I couldn't even Instagram if I wanted to during the class. Yeah. Well, there's also Orange Theory, too, um, which is, yeah, it's, Orange Theory allows you, if you're not familiar, they have, like, 
a whole board of everyone on on the on the um, bikes and everything, and they actually hold you accountable to be like, okay, yeah. you're like in place. So if you're a really competitive person, that is actually like, like it's like a game, it's like a video it. game, mm-hmm. um, which is really yeah. cool. And so I do think that we as millennials, we're not people that. It's not like we're we're competitive about it, but we're also trying to build each other up and be like, hey, join this. This is not as bad, you know. Getting on a fitness journey, not everyone is probably at the same level, but when someone comes into a class, there's a lot of support and there's a lot of like, hey, you can do it. Mm -hmm. If I've gone through, over you know, over the last like you know couple of months, or some of my friends that are moms, I know that whenever they want to like lose some of their baby weight it's it's really empowering when you have a group of people to kind of support you and be like, hey, listen, I, I gained 25 pounds during my pregnancy. You can actually get there. It might not it might not be quick, but it's it's something that it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And so I think having those encouraging, you know, discussions amongst all the people around you, even strangers like on Facebook groups, we're a very supportive group of of people. So I think it really yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I think you want to see results, right? You don't, if you're part yeah. of a large team and you see a variety of people from like the super, you know, fit people, which are very few, mm-hmm. to like the regular people, mm-hmm. which are probably the majority, and then the very obese people mm-hmm. who are another, you know, group of people there, mm-hmm. you're not, you don't really know where to go. Like, just like Kim said, it might be intimidating because you don't know where to start, what yeah, direction exactly. you want to go. Exactly. A small group of people and everyone's getting results and you're competing with each other and you're working with mm-hmm. each other you're going to see that being more effective, right? Yeah. So it's efficiency and results. You don't want to join a gym and be a member for three years and look the same if you have a goal, right? If you already look great, that's great. You know, you're maintaining. But if you have mm-hmm. a specific goal, you should want to reach it and find sure. a path to it. It's just like starting a business. We talk about this all the time with entrepreneurship. Yeah. You don't want to just spin, you know, you don't want to just wake up every day, do the same thing and expect to get different results. That's a definite exactly. mm-hmm. Actually, see something progress every day and that's a really good way to do it with these fitness studios. So I do see that being the trend that's going to go forward. So I don't I don't disagree on the gyms. I think that everyone would agree that gyms, traditional gyms are going to be phased out. Exactly. And I think yeah. that the metaphor that or that analogy used for gyms versus um small businesses I, I like that parallel that you're not going into business by doing the same thing when people go into mm-hmm. gyms they're actually looking to actually make some changes right whether it's big or small anyone that goes into gym wants to improve upon themselves so mm-hmm. i really do hope that you guys have enjoyed going through these this list of 10 industries that millennials are killing I think that some of these industries are probably going to be phased out, but the alternatives are going to come in place because millennials, no matter what you say about us, we're actually like, you know, going forward, we're always forward thinking and we're actually very resilient. So thank you so much for joining our our podcast and I hope you enjoyed. Join us next week as you continue your exploration with us. Make sure to follow, like, and comment on Instagram. Find us at hashtag explore more.